been expecting you, and he's happy that you come today to hear his word ministered to your heart. And it's going to build you up strong in faith. You're going to walk in the love of God, and you are going to be a blessing to many, many people. Praise the Lord. Today, let's begin by receiving the holy tithes and offerings and bringing them into the storehouse of God. I want to read a verse to you from Psalm 112, and I believe that you are familiar with the verses in this psalm, and I want us to look at one of these verses carefully, and I want you to consider how God wants to bless you for His glory. Praise the Lord. Well, Psalm 112, verse 1 begins by saying just that. It says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in His commandments. Keeping the commandments of God releases the blessings of God upon your life, and it brings such fulfillment, satisfaction, and happiness when you are walking in the commandments of the Lord. It says, verse 2, His descendants will be mighty on earth. God's got a plan for your children, a very good plan for them. It says, the generation of the upright will be blessed. Now, verse 3, wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Now, as a Christian, your righteousness is tied to Christ. You are in Christ. You are in God. Praise the Lord. And our identification of being upright or right standing with God comes through His Son and us belonging to Him. Now, my friends, it says that wealth and riches will be in the house of the person that belongs to God, that serves the Lord. And I want you, first of all, to believe this and claim it as your own promise. And you might think, well, Pastor Stephen, why do I need wealth and riches in my house? Why do I even need a house? Well, a house is more than just a place to keep the rain off your head and to, uh, you know, have some shelter from the outside elements. A house really you, when you are living for the Lord and you're serving the Lord, you really need a nice place. Why, Pastor Stephen? So you can bring people over for Bible studies. Stop and think about that. So that you can have people come to your house for prayer meetings. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. I know you could do it underneath the tree somewhere probably, but not when it's raining. Not in the winter when it's 20 degrees. You need a nice house, Bible studies, prayer meetings. You could have your friends come over to your house and watch me on television or on the internet. Praise the Lord. So many things today that are on the internet, you can just connect it right up to your large screen television, sit down, study the word, bring the word into your living room. Praise God. God wants you to have a nice house. You know, a, um, a pastor one time, she was a woman, and she talked about how she started her church in her home. It began as a, it began as a home church meeting, and she didn't have a lot of furniture in her house, and she thought, well, you know, I do have some nice furniture in my living room. I don't have much, but I've got some nice things there. And she thought to herself, I think I'll take that out and move that to another room. Because if I'm starting the church and I'm going to be using my house, all these people coming over to my house, they're going to wear my stuff out. And I think I'll just get some inexpensive chairs to put in the living room and I'll move the good stuff out because that's going to just get wore out. And the Holy Spirit said, oh, no. Don't you do that. That's not the way that you do things. You get the most comfortable furniture because this will be the house of God until you go on to the next level where you have your own building. Praise the Lord. Look, wealth and riches in your house. You need a nice home. Some wealth and riches. You need, you need nice furniture. Why? Because I might, I might come over to your house. Praise the Lord. I don't want to have to sit on the floor. I don't want to have to sit on a hard plastic chair. I'd like to have something comfortable. Praise God. And maybe, maybe you could even go to the refrigerator, get me something nice and cold to drink uh, or a snack to eat. You need to be able to host people. You need to be able to bless people. You need to have a pantry in your kitchen so that you've always got some extra and stuff like that. My friends, I'm talking wealth and riches in your house. Praise the Lord. 
You know, there's a husband and wife couple on our ministry team here, and they just built a beautiful brand new home. And they say, Pastor Stephen, come over to our new home. And I go over and it's beautiful. Everything's brand new. Granite countertops, beautiful tile floors. Uh, it, it's just beautiful. And so they can host me and my wife. They can host me at any time. And, and they like to feed us and, and do things like that. You need a nice house. You need wealth and riches so that you can be a blessing to others. So you could say, come to my house. I want to I wanna have a Bible study come over to my house. I want to have a prayer meeting. And that's what's good about a house because although apartment may be where you're at, you know, you start getting people over to your apartment and everybody's praying in your little apartment. How many of you know apartment walls are real thin? And sometimes you can hear the people on the other side. Well, if you're in there praying, whoo, that just goes right through the walls. And, uh, you know, that's probably not the best thing when you are so close to other people, but when you have your own house, you know, you can just pray. Everybody can come over. You can go in the, uh, li- uh the living room and you could just pray and you can pray all night long. If you want to, people want to sleep on the floor, whatever, just pray, 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 glory to God. And this brings a new level, a new dimension of blessing in your life. Wealth and riches will be in your house. You need wealth and riches. You need, you need extra, extra coffee cups. You need your own coffee maker. Why? Prayer meetings. How about this? All night prayer meetings, like on Friday or Saturday night. Glory to God. Yes. Hallelujah. You need to be empowered to host people. Yes, praise the Lord. Bring people over to your house. Have a large HD uh, television so that you can watch maybe like a Christian, uh, a Christian movie or something like that. Praise the Lord. And, and then afterwards, discuss it and conduct Bible studies and things like that. Let everything that you do have the kingdom of God at the center of it and watch how God will bless it. Oh, I'm not talking about a big house so you can come over uh, or have people come over and have socials and people dance to worldly music and alcohol being served and people getting drunk and dirty jokes being told. No, 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 no. I'm talking about a nice place so that you can be busy about the kingdom of God and you're just, you're just a blessing. Everything about your life is a blessing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, last year I was at a man's house and if, if I were to maybe put a price on his home, not knowing the neighborhood, well, I, 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 I could probably get it pretty accurate, maybe within, you know, a half million dollars, but his home was probably easy, $20 million home, $20 million home. Oh, Pastor Steve, but I had a house like that. Nobody would see the inside. I'd be behind an exclusive gated community, and that would just be for me and my family. Well, this man, he is in an exclusive gated community, but... Uh, he gives access to that gate when it's time for prayer meetings. And he had me come over and conduct a, uh, a prayer Bible study. And, uh, my, my friends, God, God will give you anything. If you just have his kingdom heart at mind, glory to God. Hallelujah. And so God has given this man a beautiful home and he has Bible studies in his home. And he's like, pastor Stephen, come back sometime to my, my, my home. And, you know, we'll get, we'll get a bunch of college students over here and, and stuff like that. I'm like, well, that's great. You know, we'll, we'll do it anywhere, but look, I'll, I'll do it in an apartment. I'll do it in an exclusive mansion. It doesn't matter to me. All I'm saying is that in your own life, have a place where you can host the glory, where you can bring people in and that there's nice things in your house. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Think about this. Think about every dimension of your life as, as an expression of the blessing of God to reach others, to minister to others, and to be a part of the kingdom of God, an extension of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Wealth and riches will be in your house. And it says, your righteousness endures forever. Mm, 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 mm. Praise God. A lot of food for thought there. A lot of things to meditate there. Praise the Lord. Even your vehicle. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I just need to get, I just need something to get me around. I don't need a nice vehicle. Well, you do if you need to drive the man or woman of God to the airport, right? See, see, you have to thank kingdom. You have to thank kingdom. And if you're going to be the person, now I'm going to shoot straight with some of you. So maybe some of you don't know this. 
as a pastor, when we host meetings and I'm bringing in speakers, international speakers, national level speakers to speak, uh, you know, in meetings, a conference that I would be hosting, who do I have go pick them up at the airport? The church member with the junkiest car? Do I have somebody ride a bicycle down there and say, hey, get on the back of the bike uh, and, and I'll drive you, uh, I'll ride you, I'll pedal you to the hotel? No. I send the person who has a spirit of hospitality, who has a spirit of servitude and humility, and has a nice, clean car. Praise God. A comfortable, clean car with heating and air conditioning. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. And uh, you, you know what? You need a nice vehicle. You never know who's going to be riding in your vehicle. I'm not just talking about you. See, think beyond. Think beyond kingdom. Everything in your life, an expression of the kingdom of God. You never know who's going to be riding in your vehicle. So you need a nice vehicle. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So Father, bless your people with wealth and riches in their house in their house. Give them ideas of what they could do for kingdom expansion, everything they're doing with a mindset of how they could further serve you through what you have blessed them with. Thank you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. Praise God. A lot to chew on in that verse 3. I believe the gears of creativity are turning right now. Glory to God. God's going to bless you. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. Beautiful home, beautiful vehicle, uh, your home with beautiful furnishings. Come on, receive the promise of God. Step into it through obedience. Amen. Praise God. All right. Let us now honor the Lord by receiving the tithes and offerings, letting know that we believe these things and as an expression of our love to him for reaching the nations with the gospel. Let us now honor him with our finances. If you want to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so right now. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called tithes and offerings, sow and reap. You can go there right now and bring them in. If you want to mail them in, we shall receive them here at the post office box, which our ministry has. It's picked up every day by one of our workers, and uh, it is received into the storehouse of God. Please mail your tithes and offerings to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina. And Mooresville is spelt M O O R E S. M O O R E S E V I L L E, North Carolina, 28117. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Bring it in. Bring it into the storehouse of God. Oh, God's up to good things today. Now, today, let's talk. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hmm. Let's talk about the spirit of prayer. I feel, I feel it being stirred up, even as I'm mentioning it. The spirit of prayer. And let's take a look at this in Acts chapter 6. Glory to God. The spirit of prayer is something that's very important that you stay in. Because it's very easy to slip out of it. And if you slip out of it for uh, a period of weeks, you can find your walk with the Lord becoming cold. We don't want that to happen. We want the burning spirit of prayer, the candle of prayer to always be lit in our lives. And it's very important that we are aware of this. So we're going to be in Acts chapter six. We'll start in verse one and let us pray. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we go into your word that the spirit of prayer would be inflamed for those who are already in this flow and for those who perhaps have grown a little bit cold in this area. Maybe even their candle has been blown out that today it would be relit suddenly with a flaming fire. And we thank you, Father, that it, we, that we're asking it also be sustained through diligent uh, 
actions of seeking you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. God's really going to help you today. Praise the Lord. I've got some good stuff for you today. Now, Acts chapter 6, praise the Lord. Let me jump over there with, uh, with you. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, not just growing additionally, but now they're into multiplication. It says there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenist because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Well, these would be the widows. Uh, the Hellenists were the Greek speaking Jews. They were Jews, but they spoke Greek. And so because of that, there was some, you know, looking down upon by those who were primarily more identified as being complete Hebrew. We don't speak any other language. We're Hebrew to the bone. Well, uh, that caused, that caused them to have some biased feelings. Verse two, then the 12 summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. I think that's important to understand when you are a major minister, let's say Billy Graham. Now Billy Graham's in heaven now. It would not, but let's say he were alive and you know, at the peak of his ministry, it would be out of place for Billy Graham to be walking around, passing out little gospel tracks. Do you know Jesus? Would you like to receive Jesus? No, 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 that's not, that, that doesn't work. Why? Because he's not on that level. This is not the level of passing out tracks. This is the level of packing out stadiums. Okay. So it's not arrogance. It's not that there's not humility. It's just that you have to know your place. What is wisdom? One of the definitions of wisdom is the ability to discern difference. The ability to recognize that person is different from that person, even if they have the same occupation. Uh, this doctor is different from that doctor. This doctor is world renowned. This doctor is a local doctor. There's a difference. Uh, this minister has a global platform from which God has established him on. He speaks to nations. This minister is a good minister, still called of God, still belongs to the Lord, but he ministers to a small flock of 30 people. And God loves him just as much as the minister with the global platform. But you have to understand though, there is still a difference. You would not want to take the minister with the global ministry and just say, Hey, now you're being arrogant over there doing that. You need to step down and come over here and be humble like the rest of us and serve in the soup kitchen. No, that's not right. My friends, you have to understand that there is a difference and there's a difference with the apostles. These are the 12. Okay, that were with the Lord. And so this is not fitting from them to draw back from full time apostolic ministry and go over here and passing out to the widows slices of cheese and bread and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That this is not right. These are guys walking around with apostolic power, raising the dead, opening blind eyes. Hey, we'll get somebody else to make the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. This is this is not right. And that, my friends, is not arrogance. That's not pride. It's just knowing your calling, knowing the importance. That's what wisdom is, the ability to recognize difference. Praise the Lord. You don't take the CEO from a major company that's a multi-billion dollar company, and you don't have him go clean the toilets. It doesn't mean that he's not willing to do that or wouldn't do that, but he's too important to be doing that. He's the guy that we need in leadership, making key executive decisions. We, we can get somebody else to clean the toilets. He's too valuable or she's too valuable to be doing that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. That's not arrogance. That's just wisdom. And that could be applying in your life because as God raises you up, there is a place where God says, now you need to step off. Let somebody else do that. I know you can still do it. I know you know how to do it, but you're too important now at this next level. Delegate that to somebody else. 
And that's a part of growth that you experience in your business, in your ministry, in your corporation, in your career path. And you just realize that, you know what? You don't need to be doing that anymore. You don't need to be out there washing your car. You don't have time for that. Take it through the car wash. Uh, you know, pay the money to have somebody do that. You just, why? Why? Because your time is too important. Your time is too important. Priorities change as you, as God begins to lift you up, up, up. Praise the Lord. Verse three, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. This, in a sense, involves business. Somebody's got to take that money and go buy this food. And we're buying in bulk quantity because we have to take care of all of these widows. So when anytime there's money going on, there needs to be transparency and there needs to be accountability, especially in ministry. Okay, so we, we want to run good books, tight records. We don't want any, uh, you know, money disappearing. We, do, we want everything done the right way. That's why he says, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. Not everybody in the church has a good reputation. I think you've probably figured that out by now, right? Uh, you, you can be in the church and everybody belongs to Jesus. Everybody's washed with the blood. Uh, everybody's stamped uh, w- with that uh, salvation experience on their way to heaven. But that doesn't mean that with some people that are your brothers or sisters in the Lord, you want them handling money. Praise God. So look for people that have good reputation in this area, that understand good business practices, that have integrity, that uh, will do a good job. Praise the Lord. And sometimes when you are needing these type of people, you actually have to look for them. You just can't grab anybody. Well, there's 20 people. Grab those 20. No, uh, we need, uh, no, no, we have to find seven. We got to look around for them who are actually qualified to do this. Praise God. Hallelujah. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom who we may appoint over this business. Verse four, but we, those that are actually called to the full-time ministry, but we will give ourselves to what? Watching TV. Hmm going out, socializing, all that stuff. No, no, no. But we will give ourselves continually. Uh, this is something that's ongoing. This is, this is the spirit of prayer, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The last thing that a minister wants is to be put in a place where the anointing is demanded, but they cannot respond because there has not been proper prayer and time spent in the word. Something else has crept in, has cropped up, and now the man of God or woman of God can't respond because we've been over here doing all this stuff, uh, doing all this extracurricular activity that has distracted from the primary calling of any minister, which is what? It's Acts chapter 6, verse 4. That is the primary assignment of any minister. And if you will build God a devotional life, then God will always give you ministry. He'll always have work for you. Uh, you know, as, a, as an itinerant minister, I've never been a minister where I have to like, you know, drop hints. Hey, uh, I'd really like to come to your church. You have an opening. I've always got plenty of openings. I've always got plenty of work to do. I've always got a lot going on. Why? Because I have built God a house of devotion. And because of that, he has given me full access to his kingdom work. I'm always busy. I always have something to do. So I have to plan out my itinerary. I have to work out the schedule because uh, there's calls here, there's calls there. And if I answered every call, I could be gone literally full time, every single day, just about. But I have to organize that. And that, that's just because I've given myself to the Lord in prayer and in time in the word. What does that do? That creates a demand for that anointing for the ministry that that person has. Now, if I were to suspend that or to start to neglect that and get over here serving crackers and cheese, you know, or doing good things, but it's not the core thing, then what happens is that that anointing begins to get diminished. 
praise the Lord. This is the spirit of prayer and you can lose the spirit of prayer. I think, I think I need to say that again. You can be Paul, the apostle and lose the spirit of prayer. If you drift away from verse four of Acts chapter six, you can be Peter, you could be Thomas, you could be any of these Peter, James, John, and on down the list it goes. But my friends, if you drift away from time in prayer and time in the word, that anointing will begin to go down and that, that spirit of prayer will begin to go away. And what replaces it? Interest in other things, priorities now in other things. And you, you get busy doing all kinds of stuff, doing all kinds of stuff. And before you know it, your flesh likes all of this other stuff and justifies why you're so busy. But the whole time you're not praying and your spirit, your spirit's like, Hey, this is not good. This is not good. But my friends, if you've lost the spirit of prayer, you must turn back to the Lord and he'll restore it. And the way that you restore it, you just come back on your knees again and you find the Lord, you find the Lord's presence again. I'm not saying you're lost. I'm not saying you've, you have neglected your salvation by any means. I'm saying though, you can lose the spirit of prayer and you just, you don't really want to pray. Now it's like, ah, now I've got to go pray. You don't really want to, you just go do it. Well, you know, I'm the pastor and I've called for a prayer meeting. I guess we got to go do this prayer meeting, get this out of the way. And you don't even no, no, you have lost the spirit of prayer. My friends, you should look forward to your times of prayer. You should have it planned out, and it should be something that you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to miss this. If I've got to miss anything, it's not going to be my, my time with the Lord. Hallelujah. Something else can be compromised, but not my, not my uh, time of prayer. You must maintain very, very carefully the spirit of prayer. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Let's continue on. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. So we saw that the early apostolic leaders, they devoted themselves continually, continually. You have to, if you get out of that loop, the spirit of prayer will get diminished. You have to continually stay devoted to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Praise God. Notice the balance. Too much prayer, you get, you get spiritually kooky without having the word, but too much of the word with no prayer, you just get all dry. So you, you have to have both it takes two wings to fly. Okay. The, the wing of prayer and the wing of the word, you need both. And you start going up. Can't fly on one wing. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 12, verse one. Now about that time, Herod, the King stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Okay. So he's taken out one of the top three, Peter, James, John, uh, James has now been martyred verse three. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was the, it was during the days of unleavened bread verse four. So when he had arrested him, he's arrested Peter. Now he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him intending to bring him out or bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Okay. So there's a lot of praying going on. Now, Peter is miraculously delivered by an angel. He gets out of the prison uh, is taken down the street in the middle of the night and he comes to his, uh, to, to this reality. Oh my goodness. This is not a vision. This is real. I just walked out of a maximum security prison and a life threatening situation. And so let's find out what takes place now. Verse 11. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary. He came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Okay, so continual prayer. They're now at the house of Mary praying. I told you, you need your own house. Why? Prayer meetings, prayer meetings, prayer meetings, prayer meetings. 
so that you never lose the spirit of prayer. Praise God. Hallelujah. Schedule them. Keep them so that you never lose the spirit of prayer. (laughs) You need your own house. Psalm 112, verse 3. Why? So you can have prayer meetings at your house like Mary. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. You never know. Maybe you'll hear an apostle knocking on your door in the middle of one of your prayer meetings at your house. Praise God. I believe that God's going to do it for you. A big house, a big house, a big house, if nothing else, for the sake of prayer meetings. Glory to God. Mm -mm. When you ask with good motives that are not selfishly based on just carnal whims, when you ask, though, with kingdom intent, makes all the difference in the world. Lord, give me a big house so I can have some prayer meetings. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Well, there was continual prayer. They're like, Lord, this is serious. This guy has killed James. This is not looking good for Peter. They were praying. A spirit of prayer. Spirit of prayer. The early church was on fire with the spirit of prayer. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you stay lit with the spirit of prayer, you will not be enamored with the world. But if you ever, now listen to me very carefully. If you ever lose the spirit of prayer, you'll find yourself very, very excited about worldly things. You'll find yourself enamored with sports. You'll find yourself enamored with a hobby. You'll find yourself watching four, five, six hours of television every day. You'll find yourself just doing things that have no life in them. I'm not even saying you're doing something wrong, but I'm saying you could, it, it, you could just get caught up with the things of the world. You don't have to be in Las Vegas to have glitz and glitter. The world pulls with his own glamour no matter where you're at and will give you ample opportunities to do everything under the sun but pray my friends when you have the spirit of prayer you turn those desires of selfishness and love for the world you turn to God. You turn your heart back to God and you're like, Lord, I want to stay close to you. I don't want to take any risk of drifting anywhere from you. I'm staying as close as I can. Lord, I'm staying in prayer. I am walking in the spirit of prayer. And it really is something that gives the challenge to all of us to be in it continually, continually. Acts chapter 6 verse 4, they continually gave themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So my friends, stay in the spirit of prayer. Don't let anything pull you away from that. Because if you do, you can find yourself in a situation like with the ocean, where you just go out a few feet from shore, and you just, you want to swim a little bit, but there's a riptide, there's an undercurrent that's taking you further and further and further out. And it's natural. You don't have to like even try to swim out. You could just try to swim in the local area, but it's taking you out. It's taking you out. So you need to stay close to the, to the Lord because there is a, there's a pull of the world that if you're neutral, it will take you away from the Lord. And now your interests are on things of the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Stay in prayer. Stay in prayer, praise God. In Exodus chapter 30, let me just share this very quickly. This is such a beautiful example of prayer, the ministry of prayer, the importance of prayer. And you see this typified in one of the beautiful pieces of sacred furniture in the Old Testament tabernacle system that God told Moses to build. Now remember when the Lord told Moses to build these items in this tent, sometimes called a tabernacle. 
we are told that what Moses built was a pattern or replica of actually what he saw in heaven. Now, of course, what was constructed here on the earth was probably not as large or as big as what was in heaven, and it's not going to be heavenly material. It was pretty nice, though, acacia wood overlaid with pure gold, and it was made just as nice as, as it could be made from a earthly perspective, but it has a prophetic symbolic representation. Exodus chapter 30, verse 1, you shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. So the burning of incense, the burning of this sacred compounded incense, it would go up in this beautiful fragrance. And this is something that the priest had to take care of and oversee daily in the tabernacle. Verse 7, Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning. That would be on the altar of incense every morning. When he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. So daily incense rising and incense has always represented the prayers of the saints. You will see that clearly in Revelation chapter 5 verse 8 and then again in Revelation chapter 8 verse 4 where it clearly says that the incense in these bowls is the prayers of the saints and the angels have the supernatural ability to gather your prayers and put them in a bowl as those prayers are going up and as that bowl is filled up filled up filled up God responds and answers to those prayers hallelujah glory to God this is this is very very beautiful you must keep the prayers going up you must continue to burn incense every day let your prayers rise to the Lord stay in that place of the spirit of prayer where you always love the Lord your heart is always tender and you are protected and shielded from all the things of the world that would try to pull you away from God hallelujah now here on my desk, I have a book. It's called The Autobiography of Charles Finney. Praise the Lord. Charles Finney was one of America's great evangelists and had a very, very powerful ministry that was rooted in prayer for the conversion of souls. And the thing about Brother Finney's ministry is that when sinners were converted to Christ and they gave their hearts to Jesus, it was such a profound experience that years later when historians went back to interview converts, they found that the number of people that were saved in Finney's ministry, that the majority stuck with the Lord all the way. In other words, this was not just some light experience. This was not like where, you know, you see people come forward and get saved in church, and then they never show up again. You're like, hey, what happened to them? I thought they gave their life to the Lord. No, in, in these revivals where he was ministering, hundreds of thousands of people, when they came to the Lord, these were, these were all-out commitments to the Lord. In other words, they were touched by God in such a profound way, had such dramatic encounters with the resurrect, resurrected Christ that they, they knew this is real. This is life-transforming experience. And so they would get plugged in the church, and they would serve the Lord uh, all the days of their lives. Praise God. So we had a beautiful ministry. But the thing about Charles Finney was the very, very strong foundations of prayer undergirding the conversion experience of sinners. And I just want to read a little bit from this book, The Life Story of America's Great Evangelist, Charles Finney, in his own words about what he said about the spirit of prayer. Praise the Lord. Now, he said, I have said more than once that the spirit of prayer that prevailed in those revivals was a very marked feature of them. It was common, now listen to this, it was common for young converts to be greatly exercised in prayer. In some instances, they were so burdened that they were constrained to pray whole nights. 
until their bodily strength was quite exhausted for the conversion of souls around them. There was a great pressure of the Holy Spirit upon the minds of Christians, and they seemed to bear about with them the burden of immortal souls. Well, you think about the moving of the Spirit like that, where young people, we're talking teenagers, are so impressed by the Spirit, they are praying all night long for their unsaved friends to, re- to be saved and to receive Christ as their Savior. He continues, not only were prayer meetings greatly multiplied. Remember, if you are going to have a prayer meeting, you need a house and a place to host it. Psalm 112, verse 3. Not only were prayer meetings greatly multiplied and fully attended, not only was there great reverence in those meetings, but there was a mighty spirit of secret prayer. Christians prayed a great deal, many of them spending several hours in private prayer. In some instances, two or more would take the promise. If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven, and make some particular person a subject of prayer. It was wonderful to what an extent they prevailed. Answers to prayer were so abundantly multiplied on every side that no one could escape the conviction that God was daily and hourly answering prayer. If anything occurred that threatened to mar the work, if there was any appearance of any root of bitterness springing up, or any tendency to fanaticism or disorder, Christians would take the alarm and give themselves to prayer that God would direct and control all things. It was surprising to see to what extent and by what means God would remove obstacles out of the way in answer to prayer. In regard to my own experience, I would say that unless I had the spirit of prayer, I could do nothing. If I lost the spirit of grace and supplication, even for a day or an hour, I found myself unable to preach with power and efficiency or to win souls by personal conversation. For several weeks before I left DeKalb, that's a city, He said, I was strongly exercised in prayer and had an experience that was somewhat new to me. I found myself so much exercised and so borne down with the weight of immortal souls that I was constrained to pray without ceasing. Some of my experiences indeed alarmed me. A spirit of importunity sometimes came upon me so that I would say to God, that he had made a promise to answer prayer, and I could not and would not be denied. I felt so certain that he would hear me, and that faithfulness to his promises and to himself made it impossible that he should not hear and answer, that frequently I found myself saying to him, I hope you do not think that I cannot be, that I can be denied. I come with your faithful promises in my hand, and I cannot be denied. I cannot tell how absurd unbelief looked to me, and how certain it was in my mind that God would answer the prayers which from day to day and from hour to hour I found myself offering in such agony and faith. I had no idea what shape the answer would take the locality in which the prayers would be answered, or the exact time of the answer. My impression was that the answer was near, even at the door, and I felt myself strengthened in the divine life. I put on the harness for a mighty conflict with the powers of darkness, and expected soon to see a far more powerful outpouring of the Spirit of God in that new country where I had been laboring. My friends, they did see a powerful outpouring of the Spirit, and it just kept going on and on, and the conversions were nothing short of spectacular, of even the most hardened sinners. Praise God. That, that's the spirit of prayer. And when you're into it, you're into it. But if you lose the spirit of prayer, what does life have to replace that with? <laughs> what else is so exciting? What sports team is so exciting that, you know, it just thrills your soul? Nothing, nothing, nothing compares to working with the Lord, laboring in his vineyard, 
praise God. Now, of course, when you, when you're praying like that and he stands up and speaks, God's moving. You know, I was just in a meeting in South Carolina. You talking about easy to preach. You talking about easy to minister. The women that hosted the meeting, the Esther's of intercession, they had all fasted for seven days with no food. And it, you know, I, I came in also having spent time with the Lord, but you talking about easy to minister. There was a, there was an utterance in tongues that came at the end of the service. And when this precious lady gave this utterance in tongues, <clears throat> it was so easy for me to interpret that. I, I, I just got the interpretation so easily. It was just as easy as for me to read something that would be a, a third grade nursery rhyme. I just like, Lord, that is so easy to interpret what she just spoke in tongues. And after she gave the utterance, Pastor Kelly handed the mic to the pastor. The, the pastor says, uh, Brother Stephen, do you have the, the interpretation of that? I said, absolutely, I do. That was just, that was so easy to interpret that. Why? When, when you go into any type of a meeting, and there's the right foundation laid through prayer, and people that are wanting to see God move, God moves and it's just so easy. It's just so easy. It's just like walking through cream. It's smooth. Hallelujah. Just as smooth as cream and strawberries. Glory to God. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. But you understand there's flesh on the altar that have these types of moments. There's there's people are laying their lives down for the Lord. There, there's prayer. There, there's sacrifice. There's pushing the plate back. There's turning off the TV. There's taking hold of the promises of God and grabbing hold of the horns of the altar and saying, God, do what only you can do. Hallelujah. And if you'll, if you'll lean in and make those sacrifices, he'll move. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you're at. He knows exactly where you're at and he'll get the power to you. And the answer will come and God's power will come on the scene in his time and his way. Watch what he will do. But my friends stay in the spirit of prayer because the, the rewards are literally heavenly. Praise God. Father, I thank you for your people today that the spirit of prayer be released to them with a burning, with a burning passionate fire. Now in Jesus name, amen. Praise God. Woohoo. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just stay in it. Don't ever come out of it. Don't ever come out of it. You're not missing anything. You're not missing anything. So stay in it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. It's like, it's like author Bert was in a revival over in England years, decades back. He's in heaven now too, but he talked about this phenomenal revival, but it kept just going later and later and later into the night. And one of these, uh, one, one of these guys there just said, you know what? These meetings are going too long. We need to just shut the meeting off at nine o'clock. And he thought that that night he would shut the meeting off at nine o'clock and Boy, I tell you what, God rebuked that guy with the most blistering utterance of prophecy through a young teenage girl, rebuked that man publicly in front of all the people for thinking that a man could shut off a move of God because there's something else more important to do. We, we got to leave the meeting. We got to leave the glory meeting. Uh, for what? Why? What else is that? And go do what? (laughs) Well, we need to leave. We need to get out of here to do what? I I, I know you need to work during the day, or I I know that you need to eat. I know, I know that we have to uh, take care of our children, but outside of holding down the basics, you know, is, is there's nothing else out in the world that can ever replace anything beautiful that God's doing. You can't even hold a lick to it. Glory to God. So stay in the spirit of prayer. Because you're not missing anything out there in the world. Stay in the spirit of prayer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I really do believe that a spiritual awakening is coming to America, coming to Europe, and also it's just going to rage around the world with the end time revival. I really do believe it. Hallelujah. America doesn't need a revival. America's too far gone for a revival. America needs a spiritual awakening. 
It's, it's different. It's different from a revival. A revival is actually you're coming back to something that you've lost. So that's for the church. Revival is for the church, but spiritual awakening is for the nation. Praise God. And it's go- I, I really believe God's going to do it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's take communion together. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And you could always do this daily if you want with the Lord in your time of communion, your time of fellowship with God and your time of prayer. You can take communion every day with the Lord if you would like. Let's take it together as a church family. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the bread and the juice. We consecrate it. It is set apart. It is now holy. It is now the flesh and blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, that you're working so wonderfully in our lives. Glory to God. I see, I see burdens falling off. I see shackles and weights falling off as you draw near to the Lord. God is setting you free. Hallelujah. Setting you free to serve him with hands uplifted. Glory to God. You're going to run with the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. So Father, we receive the body of Christ. We thank you. We thank you, Father God, that Jesus gave his life for us. We receive his body now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Be mindful of your time and how you use your free time. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Prayer is so rewarding, but it's so easy to do other things. And then you realize I really could have done something that would have blessed my life and uh, blessed others, but I, I wasted it. So every day, every day we walk in the spirit of prayer. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes all of our sins away. We thank you, Father God, that you are lighting the flame of the spirit of prayer. We give you praise. We now receive the blood of our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's partake together. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a spirit of prayer where you get in the flow. There is a flow. And then when you have to pull out and you got to go do your, your business in life, your work, the things, the activities that you're responsible for, when you come back, you'll realize that because you're often in this place, uh, burning the incense, you'll realize that when you start back up, oh, there's a flow. Okay, so you just keep that flow where you just pick right back up where you left off. There's a flow. There's an ongoing flow. So keep the spirit of prayer going. Hallelujah. Father, bless your people. We thank you for the victory in Jesus and for a great walk with you and a rich and fulfilling life. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.